Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. As we continue our sermon series in the book of Hebrews, we are quickly coming to an end here. We've been in Hebrews for quite some time now. But we can never forget the overarching view of this book. It is Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we turn now to your word, allow us to continue to worship you. We understand that worship is not simply singing songs or preaching your word. It is the way in which we live our lives Help us to respond appropriately to who you have revealed yourself to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you know this about me. Some of you don't. I kind of want to go back in time really quick here just for a brief moment. When I was 17, 18 years old, I, I don't know why. There was a general manager at a radio station who thought it was a good idea to give an 18 year old kid with no experience his own show on the radio. So I had to learn how to do radio with a live audience, and I'm sure if there were tapes going back, you would see the train wreck that it was. But what I want to do this morning, I just want to just kind of go back to my roots for a second here really quick. And there's something in radio called hitting the post. It's when you start announcing a song, and you speak over the instrumental, and you speak all the way to the point to where the lyrics come on. Now, I'm out of practice. I don't know if I can hit the post anymore, but next time you listen to the radio, that's what the DJ is doing. But let me, let me just practice here really quick. Let's open up Time Capsule 1971 with Carol King, Earth Move, Under My Feet. You can turn that up too, right? Let's get moving here. I feel the earth Look at Stevie. Under my feet, I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to tremble whenever you're around. All right, all right. That's enough Carol King for me. We don't need to clap for Carol King, but you can if you want. I can tell you this much. That's definitely not hope song for me whenever that comes on. So I don't think I, I have that effect any longer. But who would have known, who would have known this, that, that the folk jazz singer Carol King was actually the, the theologian that she is? Okay, maybe not. She's probably actually singing to her lover, her boyfriend, her husband, whoever it was at that time that she was singing to. But there's some theological implications in these lyrics. Just let me read the lyrics for you really quick. It says this, it says, I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to tremble whenever you're around. Speaking of the earth moving under my feet, did you know that there's over 20,000 earthquakes per year on this planet? 20,000, more than 20,000 per year. Church, with that being said, I think it's safe to say that you better not build your kingdom here. Brothers and sisters, we need to build the kingdom. 
We don't need to be building our kingdom. We need to be building His kingdom where the sky is not tumbling down. We need to build His kingdom where our hearts will not be trembling when He is around. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Unshakable Kingdom. Unshakable Kingdom. And as said previously, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews Wrapping up chapter 12 this morning, we're going to be in chapter 12 looking at verses 18 through 19. And we must remember that last week we were challenged to actually live from grace. It's that idea that we don't live for God's grace. We don't do things to please God in order for Him to give us His grace. No, we live from the grace that He has given us. It's that free gift that leads to salvation. The Lord reveals himself to others when we live from his grace. So if you want others to know who the Lord is, live like he's given you this free gift of salvation. And in chapter 12, we've been encouraged and also in God's discipline. And that's something we never want to shy away from. So two sermons ago, we talked about how discipline trumps punishment. God punished Jesus so he can discipline us. God doesn't punish the believer. Jesus was punished on the believer's behalf. God punishes those who do not come to a saving faith in Jesus. So those who train under God's discipline are the ones who actually lead others to Jesus. If we allow God to discipline us in our lives, others will be led to Christ himself. Now today, we're going to compare your pathetic, my pathetic little temporal kingdom that we've been attempting to build on our own here on this earth with the unshakable kingdom of the Lord, His glorious eternal kingdom. Actually, we're going to compare two physical locations. One is in the past, and one is futuristic. We're going to be comparing today, we're going to allow the author of Hebrews to compare what happened on Mount Sinai, or Mount Sinai with the future kingdom that's going to be in Zion. So with all this being said, we're actually going to be comparing God's law with His grace. After all, grace is in our name now, isn't it? Villa's Grace Church. Grace that we need to live from. So let's get into the text this morning and see specifically what God's Word has for us. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 18 and ending in verse 29. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear or tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. 
But now he has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. As we look at all these verses, we want to put them in one simple sentence to define what's being said here. And that sentence states this. All kingdoms get reduced beyond rubble except the kingdom of God that stands forever. All kingdoms get reduced to rubble or get reduced beyond rubble except the kingdom of God that stands forever. Now Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. This is the old covenant law. This is judgment. This is fear. That's what the Hebrews were experiencing on Mount Sinai. Moses was the only one allowed to be in God's presence. He was the only one allowed to go up the mountain. The Jews would have died if they even touched the mountain. By simply touching the mountain where God was, they would have died. This represents the curse of the law. See, the whole point of the Ten Commandments, and we we have to get this right in order to understand grace. The whole purpose of the Ten Commandments was actually to reveal our sinfulness to us. When we look at the Ten Commandments, we look at each one and we say to ourselves, I have not kept any one of the ten. Now, some of you might be sitting here this morning saying to yourself, well, I've never murdered somebody. I haven't committed adultery. No, yeah, you have to both. Because after all, where does sin start? It has to start somewhere. It starts right here in our hearts. So even if you have hatred towards somebody in your heart, that's murder. If you lust after someone other than your spouse in your heart, that's adultery. None of us are capable of keeping the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were revealed to man to reveal man's sinfulness, to reveal man's need of a Savior. So let's take a look at verses 18 through 21. Again, we're comparing and contrasting the earthly Sinai and heavenly Zion. First up, let's start with Mount Zion. What does it say? It says, For you have not come to what may be touched. As we've already stated, Mount Sinai could not be touched. Moses was the only one allowed up the mountain into God's presence. See, when Moses received the covenant of law, a.k.a. the old covenant, it says that a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest happened. See, the covenant of law is judgment and fear. It's do and don't. It's do and die. That is the old covenant. Do and don't do. Do and then you die. That's judgment. That's 
fear, which is why Moses said himself, what does he say? I tremble with fear. God's voice alone caused the ground to tremor. The law provides no power to overcome the power of sin. Or should we say, the law provides no power to overcome the power to sin. By keeping the law doesn't mean that we're still without sin. You can try to keep the law, but when you do try to keep the law, you keep it as a sinful human. We know this is true by the end of verse 20 where it says, even a beast, if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Again, the purpose of the law is to reveal our sinfulness to us. Church, without Jesus, just like the Jews, without Jesus, we are unworthy to approach God. This is why verse 18 begins by saying this, for you have not come to what may be touched. Basically what God is saying here, He's saying, you're not worthy to be in My presence. And the Ten Commandments that I'm giving Moses, your leader, is My proof. Really, when we look at these verses, we can summarize them by, by really saying this then. On our own, we are unworthy to be in God's presence. And that's going to be on the screen for you. On our own, we are unworthy to be in God's presence. Without Jesus, there's no way we would ever have access to God. We can't do this on our own. Now let's remember that one sentence that ties all these verses together. It stated that all kingdoms are reduced beyond rubble except the kingdom of God that stands forever. As I read this quote from the Prince of Preachers, the man himself, Charles Spurgeon, you can follow along, it's going to be on your screen. Spurgeon says this, he says, Every good thing is enhanced in value by its opposite. Light is all the brighter to eyes that have wept in darkness. Food is all the sweeter after you have known hunger. And Zion is all the fairer because of Sinai. The contrast between free grace and law makes grace appear the more precious to minds that have known the rigor of the commandment. Do you know what he's saying here? For those of you that have lived a sinful existence, a.k.a. all of us, when you compare your work to the law, you realize that you fall short. You realize that you will never be good enough on your own. But that's why grace is so sweet. Because God has extended us the gift of salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's the opposite. And we see this in verses 22, 23, and 24. Now, as we continue to compare 
and contrast earthly Sinai with the heavenly Zion, the gospel of grace enhances the value of the opposite. Grace is so precious to the hearts and minds of those who know their sinfulness under the law. If you know your sinfulness as it compares to the Ten Commandments, you know how precious grace is. You know how much you want to treasure God's grace. We need to understand that the law warns us that the law itself was in fact a curse. See, Jesus has redeemed us. And my prayer and hope is that the law is still not a curse for you. Because there are those of us here this morning who are still trying to be good enough on their own. Trying to achieve God's favor by what you do or don't do. Or try to make up for things that you did in the past by doing more good in the future. That is a never-ending pursuit. That's the dog chasing its tail. Jesus has deemed us worthy when we place our faith in His death, burial, and resurrection because only Christ Himself was able to keep the law perfectly, die, be buried, and be resurrected. Now let's draw our attention with that being said to the end of verse 22. And this actually ties in with what Mike was saying this morning about the angels worshiping the Lord. It says in verse 22, the innumerable angels in festal gathering. In salvation, we will join a community of worshipers. We will join the angels as we collectively worship the Lord. We're in this as a community, which is why also the local church is so important. Because we come together in community. We are relational people. God penetrated both time and space in order to have a relationship with us. Therefore, we need to mimic that relationship with each other as He is in the center. But I want to ask the question, why a community of worshipers? As I read through this text, that's a question I would like to ask the Lord. Why does it have to be a community? Of worshipers. Well, I think verse 23 answers this question because it says, To God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. We worship God because He has saved us from ourselves. That's right. He has saved us from ourselves. Because of our sinfulness, we think that we can do it on our own. That's exactly what God has saved us from. He has intervened in our lives to let us know that it's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that you can actually truly be saved. For those of you still trying yourselves, because I know that there are those among us here that are, still trying to approach Mount Sinai, just remember what Carol King reminded us of at the outset. I feel the earth move under my feet. 
I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to tremble when you're around. That's exactly how you're going to feel when you stand before the Lord in judgment someday if you haven't put your faith in Jesus. If you've put in your faith, if you've placed your faith in Christ and Him alone, when you stand before the Lord in judgment, He judges you based off of the work of Jesus. Amen is right because I don't want Jesus to be vacated when I stand before the Lord and I get judged on my own actions. Believe and receive Jesus, the mediator, as it says, of a new covenant. Remember, Sinai is the old. Believe and receive Jesus, whose, as it says, sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Allow the good news to be enhanced by its opposite. This is Mount Sinai or Mount Sinai, however you want to pronounce it, versus Zion. And this brings us to our second point this morning. Through Jesus, we are worthy to be in God's presence. Through Jesus, we are worthy to be in God's presence. Again, our main idea this morning told us that all kingdoms will be reduced beyond rubble except the kingdom of God that stands forever. One more time, we cannot forget what Carol King feels with the earth moving under her feet the sky tumbling down upon her, her heart trembling. Brothers and sisters, a, a greater shakening is coming. That is guaranteed. I mean, over 20,000 earthquakes per year is nothing compared to what's coming. God's Word tells us that a greater shakening is coming. So, a reminder, once again, to not build your kingdom here because it's exactly what we're doing when we try to please God on our own. I think it's good to do good. I would like to encourage all to do good. It's good to give. It's good to serve. But it's not good to give and it's not good to serve if you think that your good giving and your good serving will put an end to sin. So sometimes... We need to ask ourselves that before we give or before we do good. We need to ask, what's the motivation? Are we doing this so sin will end? Because if we are, we're doing it on our own. That's building your own kingdom here on an earth that has over 20,000 earthquakes to begin with, with one big one coming. Or are you giving and serving so others can come to a saving faith in Jesus? So others can be part of that community of worshipers that we discussed. Don't build your personal kingdom on this earth. God is not only going to shake this earth one final time, but it says right here in his text, he's going to shake the heavens as well. And we see this in verses 25 through 27. Him who is speaking is God from heaven through the work of Jesus. Last week, we discussed living from grace in our sermon titled, Grace by Example. 
When we live from God's grace, when we live from that favor, and others see that, that's the best way that we can share Christ. When we live from grace, the Lord uses us to warn others about this great shakening that's coming. Just by simply living from this gift given to us, others will be warned that he's going to shake up the heavens and he's going to shake up the earth, church. At that time, his voice shook the earth. And there's over 20,000 earthquakes per year to prove it. This earth has been shaken ever since. Yet once more, God says, I will not shake only the earth, but also the heavens. See, this has devastating implications for those attempting to approach Mount Sinai. Pride in our work is the same as resting on our laurels. There's no room for our past accomplishments on Jesus' resume. Because that's really what we're trying to do. When we take pride in our own work, when we think that we've done something on our own to please God, really what we're doing is taking the resume of Christ and then putting our work experience on it. And last time I checked, in Isaiah, what does the Lord say through the prophet Isaiah? All of our acts of righteousness are nothing but bloody rags before the Lord. We are in desperate need of a Savior. Doing good is good. However, doing good doesn't put an end to sin like we discussed. And that's one of the motivating factors that we need to run through our own hearts. Only the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what puts an end to sin. Nothing more, nothing less. Warn the world by living from that grace. Be grace by example. Now as Hallie comes up and joins me, and we look at our final two verses this morning, verses 28 and 29. In verse 28, we're encouraged, as it says right here, to offer to God acceptable worship. Church, we need to define worship. I did mention the definition earlier, but if you didn't hear what I said, please write this down. This is worth writing down. The definition of worship is this. It's very simple. Worship is an appropriate response to who God has revealed himself to be. So we worship when we respond appropriately to who God is. We do this in every single facet of our life. It is continual. It never stops. And we know that because our God, as it says here at the end today, is a consuming fire. This is God's character. Brothers and sisters, let us not forget God is, in fact, a consuming fire. Because what it doesn't say is God was a consuming fire. No, God is a consuming fire. Judgment is coming. And upon the return of Jesus, God's character will consume all that is evil. All that is evil. That gives me great comfort as a believer. It should give you great comfort as a believer. As we look at what's going on in the world today, as we pay attention to the political thought of the time, our comfort 
is knowing that all the evil that we see, God will consume when it's all said and done. God's fire burns through sin like fuel through a fire. Faith in the person and work of Jesus is our fire retardant. We will not burn if we have faith in the work that Jesus did upon the cross in his subsequent resurrection. Jesus has extended us an invitation to Zion. He's handed it right to us through his grace. That's our invitation to Zion, sealed by his spirit that he has placed in our hearts, thereby placing the unshakable kingdom right here. So if he's put his unshakable kingdom in our hearts, why are we trying to build our own personal little kingdom here on this earth when we know that a greater shakening is coming? We know that a shakening is coming that will destroy the heavens and the earth. So no matter what it is that we try to put on our resume or on the resume of Christ, it's all going to be reduced beyond rubble. The heavens and earth have been warned. They've been warned. So yeah, I'll take Carly King or Carol King. I'll use her lyrics because it's really the same warning. I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to tremble whenever you're around. I'll take that warning, but that's not the warning I need to heed if Jesus is in my life. That's not the warning that you need to heed if Jesus is in your life. If you're walking with the Lord, congratulations. Your job is to now live from grace so others can walk with Him too. If you do not know the Lord, Heed the warning. Heed the warning. God is going to shake this earth beyond recognition. He's going to shake the heavens beyond recognition. He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And if you want to be part of that kingdom, if you want Him to start by placing His kingdom in your heart, place your faith in Jesus. Trust in the work of Jesus. Don't have faith in what you can do on your own. Don't trust your own work. Trust the work of Jesus. And when we say all this, it brings us to really say this. A pre-warned heavens and earth will have no excuse when Jesus returns. A pre-warned heavens and earth will have no excuse when Jesus returns. This earth has been warned. Over 20,000 earthquakes per year are part of that warning. Again, we said on our own, we are unworthy to be in God's presence. But then again, we also said through Jesus Christ, we are worthy to be in God's presence. And ultimately, what did we say this morning? We stated that all kingdoms will be reduced beyond rubble except the kingdom of God that stands forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, allow us to be a community of believers that disciples future believers or current believers to make other disciples so we can all celebrate salvation and worship you together. Be with Villa's Grace Church as we depart this week, Lord. 
Help us invest in the relationships that you have put in our lives, the network of people that we get to be surrounded by so we can share a saving faith that's only achieved through you and your work upon the cross. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.